everybody doing good today? Come on now, huh? Weather's beautiful outside. You're smart enough. You're here rather than losing your money at some silly thing called Thurby or something like that. Man, I am glad that you're here. Thanks for coming out and being with us today on a beautiful, beautiful day outside and a greater day inside the house of God. Now, we are uh, wrapping up this uh, series on parenting that we've been doing, and you're all aware of that. We've been involved in that that subject for about a month now, and we all kind of recognize this, uh, this graphic up here about the craziness of, of parenting a little bit. And as you know, we've kind of broken it into uh, different seasons of life about how we go through parenting. And as I've said almost every week, the key of that is to know which season you're in, because the way you parent depends upon what season you're in. So that's really important to be able to figure that out. So we've broken the seasons down into these, uh, the little years before the kiddos get off to school, and then we looked at the student years when they are involved in all of their education, and you parent differently in those two seasons. And then we've got this long season of the young adults when they start leaving our house And they kind of make their own life and have kids and a family and their own thing. And so that's kind of a long season. And you now begin to parent completely different at that point. And then finally, we have this thing that we're calling the senior adult years. And it is the last season of parenting that we go through. And there is a, a change of direction, a very significant change of direction from the third to the fourth, because all the first three are going in one specific direction. I'll show you in a minute. And then when you get to the fourth, you turn the wheel and it completely changes. Because because here's the transition that happens, is we go from providing care for our children to providing care for our parents. And now our target of care the subject of our care goes through an extreme uh, change here. And there's almost kind of a weird uh, humor to this. There really is, and I don't know if I should really even say it because it's kind of like taboo, you don't talk about that, but you've spent your whole life raising these little uh, demonic things that God has brought into your life, and you've given everything you have, and now they're kind of on their own, and they're kind of making it, and you look at them, and they're doing their thing, and you can finally, for the first time in many, many years, you can breathe and say, it's about me now, it's my time, and that window is real short, isn't it? Because dad starts losing his dentures and mom needs a new knee. And now you all of a sudden are back into a new season of parenting. And that is where now I've got to care for my aging parents. Now, I've been hearing some folks this week talk a little bit about that and how that kind of plays into their life. And my prayer is that what we talk about over the next several minutes is going to be something that you can take out of here And I'm I'm telling you, you're going to get some good, good, good stuff in our study today. Now, it's important to see when you start moving into that season. And you will observe different things happening knowing that I'm getting to that point in my life. It's getting very close. I'm almost 
there. I think the very first time that I noticed that I'm getting close to that, and, and I got my sis with me, she's in, she's in our church, she's here too, and she kind of noticed those things as well with uh, the two of us and our brother. But the first time that I, I kind of saw that, man, we might getting there is the day that my dad called me and said he wanted to buy a Cadillac. And I don't know what it was about a Cadillac, but I remember when we were little, we'd always talked about that. Man, I want to have a Cadillac someday. I want to have a Cadillac. And I don't know if that was a status thing for him or what, but he'd always talked about it. And we never were at that point. We, you know, back in those days, you, just, you, you had to be somebody, really, to have a Cadillac. And we just, we just never did. And so one day, out of the blue, I get this phone call from my dad, and he says, uh, Davey, he called me Davey. He said, Davey, um, I'm going to buy a Cadillac, and I can't find a Cadillac in this little town I live in, so I'm going to come down to the big town, we'll come down to Louisville, will you show me uh, some Cadillacs down there at dealerships? I said, Dad, come on down. So we set a date. He was going to show up on a Saturday. Him and Mom were going to show up on Saturday. We are going to go shop for a Cadillac. I thought that was a lot of fun. So uh, just like older people do, he arrived incredibly early. Friday night, okay, just showed up Friday night, ready to go. That's what old people do, don't they? They show up way early. Now, am I telling the truth, huh? Am I preaching truth here, okay? Thanksgiving dinner at 2, they're here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Where's it at? You're in your pajamas, okay? And older people show up. We got people in this service on Thursday show up here on Tuesday afternoon. We'll just wait. We'll just wait. So they show up Friday night and uh, walks to the house about 9 o'clock, and I thought, man, this happened tomorrow. He shows up, and he goes, you ready? I said, well, you ready for what? He goes, Let's go look. I said, Dad, they're all closed. He goes, we can go look. And so we were those weird dudes walking around in a car lot in the middle of the night, and the camera's all over you. And the second lot we went to, he said, there she is. That's it. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that one right there. I said, Dad, you can hardly see it. Said, That's the baby. That's it. That's it. That's it. So the next morning, we're the first ones there. God forbid we're 30 minutes late and somebody else had bought that car. So we're right there. And uh, he said, that's the one I want. I said, Dad, won't you think about test driving? Want to drive it? He said, well, you think I ought to? I mean, all Cadillacs are great. I said, yeah, I think you ought to. He goes, well, if you think I got to, I will. I knew right then we're getting close to the season. Because my dad back in the day would have negotiated a six-month free loan to try that car out. And so we do our test drive, and it's all great, and he loves it. We get back. We sit down in the salesperson's office. Y'all been there, okay? And I can't remember what the price was, but the, the, the sales guy said, here's the price of the car. My dad said, that's fine. Can I write you a check? And I looked at him and thought, what in the world are you doing? What about haggling the price a little bit? I couldn't believe it. And I knew then, man, we're getting close. We're getting close to the season. Because back in the day, we'd have been there all day arguing over 10 bucks with him, right? Old people, am I there? And so he said, I, I just, whatever, whatever, I'll just write you a check. And I asked the salesman, can, can we have a minute alone? And so the guy, I said, Dad, we can get him down. We can get him down. Let's give a lower offer. He said, why do you want to do that? I said, we well, you save some money, get it lower. And he and I kind of argued about that. He goes, I'm going to pay the full price. I said, Dad. He said, what are you so upset about? I said, because you're spending my inheritance money. That's why I'm so upset about that. And he just snickered at me and wrote the full price. And I knew I was in a new season of life right now. I knew I saw things that told us that we're moving to that point. Now, I was thinking about the audience that we're going to have this weekend, talking about this subject, and I've been hearing some, some things this week from some people, and some people saying, you know, man, that's right down my alley, uh, I kind of know about that, and other people saying, man, I got years, I got years from that. Let me tell you, everybody in this room, everybody in this room, I'm going to show you why this applies to you. 
Look up here on the screen. Everybody's here. You either have been in this season, you are in this season, or you will be in this season. And if you don't know anything about this season and don't think, you know what, that's just for old people. I hope I'm around when you hit it, because I'm going to laugh at you, okay? Because everybody's going to get there. And we as Christians have a unique responsibility. And the responsibility is that when we arrive at that point where we are in the season now, where there has been a shift, and now our responsibility is to care for our parents, we have a responsibility as Christians to ask, God, how do you want me to do that? God, do you have directives for me in this season of my life. And so what I want to do with you in this service during this weekend is I want to take that unique angle and for the majority of our time, I want to dive into some Bible passages and I want to show you relative to the subject that we're talking about that God pulls no punches on what he thinks about this. And I don't, I don't know what your story is. I don't know everybody's life stuff going on right now, but I'm, I'm telling you, there are going to be people in this room that are going to be crazy uncomfortable over what God had to say. And you might be sitting here right now thinking, this, this is not my deal, man. I'm not a part of this, or I got this all covered, or here's, and I'm going to tell you right now, God pulls zero punches on what he feels about it. So I want us to be responsible, Bible-believing people, and let's just say, okay, what does God say about this part of our life? So let's begin with a day in the life of Jesus. And that's a good place to start, no matter what you're looking at. Find a day in the life of Jesus where Jesus had something to say about what you're dealing with. And so we take this transition time of our life that everybody gets to, and now my focus is my parents, and we go to the day in the life of Jesus where something about that came up to him. He had some religious leaders that had been watching him, and they had a complaint. And they wanted to spend a little bit of time with Jesus, and they wanted to complain to Jesus about something he was doing in his ministry. I get calls like that every once in a while. Hey, can I have five minutes of your time? I have learned enough now till I ask, what's it about? And that determines whether I meet with you or John Talbot meets with you, okay? I determined that, yeah. And they said, we, we just want to meet with you, Jesus, quickly. And so they go up to him and they say this to him. They say this to the Savior of the universe. They say this. Hey, we've been noticing that the guys that hang around you don't wash their hands before they eat. I'm, I'm not messing with you. That's in the Bible. Now, here's what's crazy about it. You might not know this. This is what's insane about it. Right before that happened, Jesus had walked on water, and he had fed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread and fish. And so when all that's over with, the leaders say, hey, can we have just a few minutes of your time? And don't you think they would say, can you tell us how that water thing happened? Huh? How in the world did you feed all those people with that? Can you do that with Impelazari's pizza? I mean, you think you would bring that up, wouldn't you? And so here we've got a guy who walked on water, miraculously fed thousands of people, and here's these guys say, hey, bro, your guys are washing their hands before they eat. 
And Jesus looks at them, and you and I would say, are, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? And so what they did to him is they brought up what was known as a tradition. Notice how they said it in Matthew chapter 15. Then some of the Pharisees, teachers of law, came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they asked, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, let me dive into that a little bit, because in the Old Testament, there were laws about washing your hands before you eat, but they were all about the priest. It was about the priest and the temple of God to signify the purity of God. There were no laws about washing your hands for common people before they eat. Now, it's a good idea. It's a good hygiene thing. But there is nothing as a command of God in the Old Testament about people who wash their hands. It's only, it's only for the priest thing. And so here's what the religious leaders of the day. They took it and they turned it into one of their own laws. They expanded it, and it wasn't a command of God, it was a law of man. It was a man-made law, and they took it and they said, we're going to say everybody's got to wash their hands before they eat. And that then became a tradition. There was a command of God, and there was a tradition. And so what they were asking Jesus is why don't your disciples follow our man-made laws of washing their hands? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered their question with a question. That's absolutely radical. Pay attention. He does that all the time. And what Jesus does is he goes back to them and said, and you paying attention and asking me about not following a law of man, let me ask you about not following a law of God. And notice how he says it. Check this out. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And so it's fascinating that Jesus brings up honoring the father and mother. And what he did was threw him a curveball. They were concerned about a man-made tradition, and Jesus was concerned about the command about honoring their parents. Now stop for a second, because we got to take a detour. We're in Matthew 15 in this fascinating conversation with these guys, and we got to jump out of it because Jesus threw the curveball and brought up the honoring the parent command from the law of God. We got to talk about that for a second. And so if you're part of Eastside and you remember, it wasn't a few months ago that we did a series of teaching here called First Four Living in a Final Four World. And what we did is we took the Ten Commandments, we looked at the first four, and we said those first four. Numbers one, two, three, and four of the commands of God were the laws that God put in place about how we relate to him, about me and God. And there were four things God expects. And we did a series on those because we live in a world that ignores those four. Now, if you were here, you know all about that. And we made this statement that God was saying, get those first four straight, and then the next six don't miss this. Somebody say, don't miss this, because I think I got a couple people sleeping on me. Don't miss this, okay? Numbers 5 through 10, then, are about how you relate to people. 
So the first four, get right with God, now get right with people. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are all about how we relate to people. Listen, listen, don't miss it. The fifth one, in other words, the first relationship that is important to God between us and people is how we relate to our parents. Don't lose that. There's a commandment about how we relate to our spouses. There's a commandment about how we relate to our neighbors. There are commandments about how we relate to people in general. But the one that God held above all, your parents, how you relate to your parents. And Jesus brings that curveball into these knuckleheads who were only concerned that somebody wasn't washing their hands. So Jesus lays it out in a thick way. And remember, he's talking to adults. See, how many times you looked at the fifth of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, and thought we're talking about, you know, three-year-old snotty little Susie, when she's told to clean her room, clean your room. And the reality is that honoring your parents is about adults who honor their parents. Jesus brought that up to them. Now, these guys are an absolute shock. They didn't know they were going to get any kind of conversation about this. This kind of blew them away. And so Jesus claims that they were breaking that commandment of God. Now, if I'm one of those dudes, I'm just like, what is going on, man? We just brought up this idea about washing hands, and now you're saying that I don't honor my mom and dad? And there's a lot of people in this room right now that you might be there. Dude, I don't know who you're talking to about not honoring your parents, but you ain't talking to me, man. I honor my mom and dad. And they were just kind of in shock, and Jesus said, let me tell you how you're doing it. And man, it started getting thick. Here's what he said. Check this out. He said this, continuing on in Matthew 15. He said, you say, he's talking to the, the Pharisees, you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Hey, whatever help you might have otherwise received from me is now a gift devoted to God. Then he's not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God with your tradition. Now here's what they did. This may sound a little crazy. Won't you catch it? Because there's people in the church who do it all the time. They had a little thing that they did as religious leaders, and they said, if you take that which you were going to give to your parents. And back in that day, it was money. It was support. I'm going to support my mom and dad in some way. And he said, if you took that and said, man, this belongs to my mom and dad, I'm going to give that to support you. But I've decided that I'm going to take that, and instead of giving it to my mom and dad, I'm going to devote it to religious services. I'm going to give it to God instead of my mom and dad. And they had a name for it called Corbin. So this is what I was going to give my parents, and now I claim I'm not going to do that. It's Corbin, and I'm going to give it to God instead. And you hear that and think, man, that, that kind of sounds noble. That kind of sounds noble. That kind of sounds like you're doing something really good. And Jesus confronts it. He confronts it. 
I put some modern day teeth into that. Maybe somebody says, you know, I ain't got time to go care for my parents' lawn because, man, I'm just giving all my time to church and I'm volunteering here and there. And, man, I just got time to take care of your lawn. Call somebody. Hire somebody. Or they can't help their mom with her doctor bills right now because, man, my, my church is doing a big remodel project and I want to I help them out with that. And you have to figure out some other way to pay for your medical bills. And we can almost justify those things, but Jesus confronted it by saying that your responsibility to your parents is so important that your spiritual activities can't cover up your failure to honor your parents. They don't put your parents to the side in order to hold God up. God says, that's not what I want. And so I want you to think of it in this way. I want you to look at this. Be very careful about thinking you can be right with God and wrong with your parents at the same time. Now, I'm anticipating when I say that, that there are folks in the room this weekend that that is going to be very convicting to them. That I'm not right with my mom or not right with my dad and who, who's, whoever is to blame, it doesn't matter. We're just not on the same page. But man, me and the Father are rock solid, man. I got it happening spiritually. And Jesus said, you are not right with God if you're not right with your parents. This is a big deal. And just in case somebody missed how serious Jesus was about this, he threw in, in the fourth verse, just out of the blue, he threw this verse in. Check this out, Matthew 5, 4. He said, anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Why did he put that in there? Why did he put that in there? See, what happened is our Lord was complained against from some religious leaders over a silly thing that they thought was important as men. And Jesus came back and said, but you're violating one of the most important commandments of all. And that is you're not right with your parents and you think it's okay because you're right with God. Jesus confronted it. And so here you and I are on this day, and we're playing with this idea of entering that season of life where now my parents need some help from me. And so what does Jesus have to say about that? The reality is, is that Jesus was incredibly concerned about it. Now, I want to walk on an eggshell here for a minute. I want to make a comment about bad parents. Anybody got any crazy parents? Anybody got an EGR parent? You know what EGR parent? Extra grace required. Don't tell them what that means. Just call them that. Mom, you are EGR. You are EGR, okay? You, you ever have parents like that? And the reality is that there are some extreme situations where parents have failed so poorly that honoring them is nearly impossible. And there are people in the room who know exactly what I'm talking about. 
And when those things happen, sometimes the smartest thing you do is to establish boundaries to protect yourself and just pray that God will somehow perform a miracle in their lives. Sometimes you just kind of do that. But I want you to listen to this. In the fifth commandment of the book of Exodus, when we are told to honor our parents and when it is repeated by Jesus and when it's repeated elsewhere in the New Testament, listen carefully to this, it never comes with qualifiers. It's not there. And for you and I, it's easy to say, honor and take care of your parents if they deserve it, if they haven't caused too much trouble, honor them. But the biblical mandate does not address it that way. And so I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in a situation where you got to figure out somehow that you got to protect yourself and protect your family, and at the same time, find some kind of sliver of honor that you can give, even if it's to fall on your knees at night and pray for them. Maybe God will use that to change their heart. Jesus is serious about this. He expects us to care for our parents. Now, once that's kind of understood in the book of Matthew, you're starting to realize, okay, this, this is a pretty big deal in the Bible. So let me advance now and let's dive into, just let me show you one other passage that talks about the same thing. And it comes about from a church in the New Testament that we know a lot about. It's the church of Ephesus. It's the city of Ephesus. There was a church there. And the apostle Paul started that church. He lived there for three years and he kind of started that church and got it going. And at the end of three years, Paul was going to leave Ephesus, and he was going to go throughout Asia Minor, the rest of the area around there, and he was going to start some other churches. But he had this church back in Ephesus. He just couldn't leave them all by themselves. And so he raised up a guy by the name of Timothy, a young man. He said, Timothy, I'm going to take off. Now, you take care of Ephesus. You take care of them. You lead that church. You take care of those people. And so Timothy takes over Ephesus church. He's the lead pastor of Ephesus. And so while Timothy is doing that, Paul wrote him a couple letters and says, now here's how you do the job. And so the apostle Paul writes the lead pastor of Ephesus, here's how you lead the church, here's how you take care of the church. It'd be the same thing if there was an apostle somewhere that wrote me a letter. So Dave, here's, here's, how you, here's how you deal with things at Eastside. And so Paul wrote him two letters, and in one of the letters he said this, I want you to, I want you to give this instruction to the church. I want you to tell Ephesus here. This is how you take care of older people. That's in it. That's in your Bible, directives about how a church is to take care of people who begin to age. It's in the Bible. And so let me show you some things that are told to Timothy by Paul, and they are gut-wrenching. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. Let's look at it. If a widow, and the idea there is a person of older age who's lost their spouse, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these, what's these? The children or grandchildren. These should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Now, let's dive in with a scalpel and let's play with that a little bit. See that phrase, put their religion into practice? That's really only one word in the Greek language. It is the word righteous. Righteous means that God looks at you and says, Dude, you got it happening, okay? You are in the center of God's will. 
And so you think about that right now. If you had to write out, these are the things that ought to be in my life. These are the things that ought to be happening in my life for God to look at me and say, Dave, I call you righteous. What would be on your list? What would you write down? Man, I got to have that going on. I had that going on. I can't have that going on. Would you have some things on there? I remember in high school when my Christian buddies and I were on a cross-country team, and we would have these, these 10-mile runs or something. We would chant out songs that we created like military guys do on marches, and one of them was we'd be going along and we start singing and yelling out, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go out with girls that do. And I just remember that always stuck with me. So somewhere along the line, we got to thinking that if we're going to be in the center of God's will, we, we're not going to smoke and we're not going to chew and we're not going to hang out with girls that smoke and chew, which I think about that and that is absolutely gross. I don't know if you're Christian or not, but I ain't hanging out with you if you're a girl and you chew. So we just sang that. And for us, that was an idea of that's what it would mean to be righteous. So for you, what would be on your list? Really think about it. Okay, so, so maybe go to church. Okay, righteous. Maybe take care of your neighbor a little bit. Righteous. Maybe generous with your money. Righteous. You know, we got all these things that we have in our mind that God would call righteous. And if you go back to that verse, Paul told Timothy, there's only one thing God considers a sign of righteousness. Caring for your parents. Would that be on your list? Wouldn't have been on mine. And God then uses Paul to get into it and even get deeper with this. I find it interesting that the way Paul described caring for parents and grandparents, he goes, here's how you care for them. And he says to repay them. The word is to give back. Now, now, settle that. Don't lose me here, okay? We're talking about being right in the eyes of God. How do you do that? Pay your parents back is what it says. Now, when I understood that this week, I started writing an invoice out that I was going to send to my boys in case they didn't know what they owe me. And that's not the spirit, is it? It's one of gratitude that I'm so grateful for what you did for me that I want to be there for you. And when that is your spirit toward your parents, then in the eyes of God, you are righteous. Now, I want to be real open with you as a pastor for a second. In my lifetime, I've witnessed a lot of people who have experienced having parents at a time in their life where they were totally dependent on their children. I've seen a lot of people in the churches that I've served where, I mean, it was up to you to take care of your parents. It was at that point. It's a significant drain on your time, your energy, your emotions, your resources. I've been there myself. I'm watching my wife go through it right now. And I want to tell you, of all the people that I've met, and I mean every single person that I've ever met, and heard their story about, man, I did this for my mom and dad. I took care of that, and I did this, and it cost me this, and I went through all that. I, every single story that I've ever heard when that season of life came to an end and their parents weren't here anymore, every single one of those people say this, that was the least I could have done. And if I had to do it again, I'd do the same thing. 
Did you see how God ended the verse? You want to make God smile? You know, God look at you and go. Take care of your parents. Now, one more passage I want you to see on the heels of this. And if you don't feel like an absolute rat yet, I want you to, here we go. Because this passage just keeps going in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I want you to see how he kind of winds it down in the 8th verse. Look at this. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, let that mess with you for a second. So look at this, denied the faith. If you wrote on a piece of paper, this is an example of somebody who denies the faith. I don't have anything to do with Christianity. That's not my thing. What would your things be? Drunkard. Maybe, maybe um, opposing all conservative morals and values. I mean, you have all these things down there. And God says, I've got one thing that reminds me of somebody who denies the faith of Christ. One thing. People who don't take care of their parents. So if you're in this room right now, or you're online and you're listening to that, and you got a setting for whatever reason in your life where you are not devoting care to one of your parents. The eyes of God look at you and say, that reminds me of somebody who denies the faith. Man, that's big. And if that doesn't cause any kind of mess up in you, notice that he says, they are worse than an unbeliever. That word worse there is a mathematical value word. It's like you would rate something. Ever go to a restaurant? We do this when we're on vacation. We get done with the restaurant. We, we always rate our restaurants. What do you give it? One to ten. Everybody, one to ten, one to ten, one to ten. And so that's what that word is, rating, okay? And so if God had to rate an unbeliever, okay? So one to ten, the quality of an individual, and God says, looks at an unbeliever and says, I'm going to give them a negative ten, okay? They're a negative ten. They ain't even a one, man. They don't believe. But when people don't take care of their parents, I give them a negative 20. So here's the bottom line. The biblical teaching concerning caring for our aging parents is God has put that responsibility on the shoulders of the children. And he is extremely serious about it. So, how do you do it? Okay, Dave, it's obvious, okay? You guilted me into something again today. So, it's obvious. So, how do I do it? Here's the honest answer. Absolute honest answer. You'll figure it out. You will. And you'll arrive at that point, and if you have a conviction in your heart that this is so important to God, you will figure it out. You'll figure it out. But I feel like I gotta give you a little more than that. And so if you will allow me just a few minutes as one 
who has some history with this. I want to show you my 10 commandments for caring for aging parents. And there are things that I've learned in my own personal life and in the life of a pastor, what I call the 10 commandments for caring for aging parents. And I'm going to mention these with almost no comment. I'm going to go one through 10, and then we're going to end it real quick. And if you want a list of these, email me and I'll get them to you so that you can have them. But let me go through them as rapid fire as I can, and then we're going to close kind of in a cool way today. Commandment number one, here it is. Give time while there's still time. And the reality is that there will be a time when there will be no time. Can I get an amen to that? See, everybody's busy, I get it, but I want you to hear me on this. Your parents will count your time as payback and want your money and want your time. Commandment number two, help a little more than they think they need, but not too much. This is important. For those of us my age and older, it's hard on us realizing that we can't do everything that we used to be able to do. So be sensitive to us about that. Not only can we not do those things, but we don't feel right about that we can't do those things. So on a scale of one to 10, if your parents think they need, you know, I could probably use about a three help from you. Watch this. Give them a four. But don't give them an eight or they'll cut you out of the will. Just a little bit more than what they need. Commandment number three, carry on the traditions and values that you were given. There are a few things that give Susan and I more pride in this than when we watch our children and they are now carrying on the values that we taught. If you had hot dogs at Christmas, keep them on your menu. Commandment number four, Forgive even if it's not fully deserved. And none of us are perfect. No parents are perfect. All of us mess it up, just some more so than others. And the most of the time, most of the time, you just need, listen to me, you just need to get over it. Most of the time, you just need to get over it and leave it alone. And sometimes you might need to talk it out with them, but I want to encourage you to forgive even if it's not fully deserved as long as you have time to do that. Uh, let me say this. I'm going to say this because I, I wrote it. And I want to say it exactly where I wrote it. It is extremely hard to forgive a headstone. Commandment number five, when the time is right, initiate the talk. Now, some of y'all might look at that and say, I don't know what you're talking about, dude, but people have been there. You know what I'm talking about. There is a moment where there is a talk. Caring for your parents requires this. I'll never forget the day that I showed up unannounced at my parents' home. I just showed up. They didn't know. I lived three hours away. I just showed up, knocked on the door, walked in. They said, what are you doing here? I said, I sit at the kitchen table, and here's what I said. I've been sent here by my brother and sister. It is time. We want to know where the money is. We want to know how much money there is. We want to know if you want us to pull the plug. We want to know where you want to be buried, and we want to know who gets the snowblower. And I was sent by my chicken sister and my chicken brother for me to have that talk. And I showed up, and I was with trepidation because I knew my mom would start crying. 
And I knew my dad would say, buddy, there's the door. You can head it. I knew that was going to happen. And they both looked at each other and smiled, and they said, we was wondering when you was going to show up and ask that. <laughs> Quick little comment to those of us at this point in life. I want you to hear me. If you're my age or older, I want you to hear me. Shame on us. Shame, shame, shame on us. If we wait for our kids to initiate that conversation, don't put that on them. Commandment six, be okay with sacrifice. Caring for your parents can sometimes be a drain on your time, your energy, your emotions, resources. And you can resent that, and you can get mad about that, or you can accept it. You can just say that's, that's the way it is. And in most cases, in most cases, your parents accepted the sacrifice that you demanded on them. And now it's your turn. Commandment number seven, I'm going to lose some friends here. If you're the in-law, don't be the outlaw. Okay? My wife cared for my parents like they were her own. And not one time did she complain about the drain on my time. Not one time did she say something to me about that. And now when she has to make weekend trips to care for her mom, I'm either there with her or I'm cheering her on. If you're the in-law, don't be the outlaw. I've noticed that when this is violated, I want you to hear me. I've noticed that when this is violated, it causes issues for generations. Commandment number eight, get along with your siblings. You've heard us teach here at Eastside that one of the last prayers of Jesus before he died. I mean, one of the last prayers. He just prayed that his followers got along with each other. And as an aging parent, I, I now, I get that. And I'm lucky. My kids are tight. My brother and sister and I are tight. That's one of the greatest joys of our life. I can't imagine it being the other way around. If your parents are alive, they're going to die someday. And make sure that they don't die from a broken heart because you didn't get along with your siblings. Get that where it needs to be so your parents can die in peace. That's your responsibility from God. Commandment number nine, make family unity the number one goal of a state distribution. Unity is the number one goal. It's not what's left in the life insurance. It's not what's in the 401k. It's not who got the car. It's not what happened to the snowblower. It's not what you decided to do with the house. I wrote this in my notes. Keep the main thing the main thing, and it has nothing to do with things. Get through that in unity. And commandment number 10, schedule your reunion in heaven. Because here's the deal. If your parents are in heaven because they love Jesus, they are waiting for you to get there. So you do what you got to do to be there. And if your parents are not right with Jesus yet, and you are, it's time to be bold and talk to them about the single most important thing happening to them right now, and that is their moment of meeting their maker. One of my dear friends in this church um, boldly walked over to his uh, parents' house one day and met with his dad during his last days of life. 
and my friend talked to his dad about Jesus. And he took his phone and he put it on a video and he helped his dad struggle up because he could barely move. And on the phone of his video, he walked his dad into their restroom and he baptized him in the bathtub. He showed me that video, a very private video for their family. And I remember watching it thinking that when God watched that whole thing, God must have said, that's what I'm talking about. Aquila and I talked a few weeks ago about some songs that we played during this series. And there was a song that just kept tempting my brother. It tempted me. Man, we got to play that today. It fits so good in this series. And, and all, every week, it's like, man, we got to play that. And we just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Said, no, that's the song we end with. That's the song we walk out of here with. And it basically is a song that prays for God to pour blessing on my family. And so I want you to sing it as a prayer as a prayer that you have to the Father for your family and whatever's going on with your family right now, whatever your story is right now, that God would the blessing be on my family. Whatever season you're in, and let's do that together as a church, understanding that we can get every season right, but what will matter is the anointing of God's blessing. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing that. Father, would you hear this today? Would you receive it as our musical prayer to you, that you would pour a favor over us for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and kids and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. May your favor rest with us. In the name of Jesus.